Hello, how the tech are you? I am historian Matt. I've got some co-hosts that will introduce themselves later, so I'm just going to jump straight into my stories for this week. Uh, my first one is Elon Musk recklessly ignored deadly autopilot flaws. What am I talking about? Well, in uh, a Florida judge, Reed Scott, ruled that there's reasonable evidence that Tesla and Elon Musk knew of defects in autopilot and failed to fix them. So autopilot is not FSD. FSD is a full self-driving. You hear a lot about that now. Uh, it, it got rolled out recently to many uh, Tesla cars. I don't know exactly if they're all of them, but autopilot is really, it's kind of, it's been out for a long time and it is the advanced kind of advanced cruise control similar to what a lot of other cars have where you get on the highway, you start it up and it will keep you in the lane. It'll keep you going the same speed like cruise control. Uh, but also like it will slow down and hopefully stop. The problem is it's not doing a very good stop job stopping. And this particular <laughs> case, <laughs> this particular case, it comes from a ruling that, uh, so to give uh, punitive damages to Kim Banner, whose husband was killed in 2019, Kim's husband, Jeremy, was killed when his Model 3 drove under an 18-wheeler that was in the process of crossing the road in front of him. Uh, the Model 3 failed to detect the 18-wheeler, and he you know, drove under it and was killed in the process. Uh, this, that 2019 accident is very similar to another one that happened in 2016, where another Florida driver, Joshua Brown, also ran under an 18-wheeler that, uh, that his car failed to detect. See a little pattern here. Well, it turns out in the trial through depositions and, you know, all the other research and evidence, uh, basically they found that Tesla basically didn't make any changes to autopilot to fix this issue between the 2016 crash and the 2019 crash. And Elon Musk, Elon Musk was well aware of this, which is why it's, uh, you know, calling him out specifically. But uh, what do you guys think? Are you guys surprised that this happened? That I'm getting a ban Teslas from Florida. Yeah, really. <laughs> Which um, is unfortunate because I'm in Florida and I own a Tesla, but I do not use <laughs> autopilot. Uh, I've never, uh, I've gone into their cruise control, but I haven't really used the autopilot that automatically stops or anything. And I just use it as regular, regular cruise control. You mean you're saying that you're a safe driver? Yes. I try to very, be. very nice. <laughs> I do not uh, have FSD, which is also uh, had a lot of problems. Based on like previous news stories about Tesla and how they they don't really uh, make changes when they're found to be doing horrible things, uh, I'm not surprised at all about this. Uh, disappointed, but not really surprised. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm completely surprised. I'm kind of. I guess I'm more surprised that they have, they found like a direct link to Elon Musk. Although I'm not at all surprised that he was like, let's get this out so I can sell it to customers, you know, and, and not worry about how safe it is. Yeah. And name it something that very strongly implies that it's full self-driving, even though it's not. Yeah. Right. Autopilot isn't like a, a type of product or a, a category. It is a marketing term. Yes. Yep. And they need to be, yeah. they, they think that they need, they should, I don't know. They should just change it. They need to just change it to get, use the industry standard uh, nomenclature for what the car is actually doing so that people understand. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a industry standard besides 
advanced autopilot, but I don't think any cars like actually call any their their version advanced auto or advanced cruise control. Sorry, uh, like I don't just know call it, else calls it that. Just call it cruise control. <clears throat> yeah, like maybe lane assist or you know, yeah, cruise control uh, with lane assist, <laughs> follow assist. Yeah, a potential crash assist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You mean it it assists you in crashing? Yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't assist you after you've crashed. Uh, you need humans for that sometimes. Right. <laughs> what do you got next, Matt? Okay, next one is continuing it on the AI um, uh, topic here. So stability AI gets moving. And what I'm talking about there... Stability AI released Stable Diffusion Video. It's a new free AI research tool that allows that, that can turn any image into a short video. Uses a technique called image to video. I, I don't know why they called it out like that. But, um, there are a number of other companies that have actually done this, but this is specifically a free research tool. I believe it's all open source, like the previous Stable Diffusion uh, for images. But uh, you can actually run it locally on a machine with an in- NVIDIA GPU. I don't know about other GPUs, but specifically it, it should work on NVIDIA GPUs. Uh, and it can turn a- an image into a 14-frame video, which they call SVD, or 25 frames SVD-XT. I think XT is for extended. Uh, and of course, the speeds can run from 3 to 30 frames per second. So in that case, that just tells you how long the total video is so uh yeah video uh from images um i wasn't watching the feed the the feed did dave show the video yeah here we have (laughs) guess what is it running there we go (laughs) yo (laughs) i also did a toast cat 2 uh using a slightly different one but uh it's still up on the drive uh, from so I played with it just a little bit. Uh, I found a place online you can do it, so you don't actually have to like download it and install it. Since I wasn't going to get that deep into it for just the the story, but you can play with it online, and there isn't really a way to tell it what to automate. So for like the Toast Cat Two one, which I uh, have to get somewhere separately, it didn't it didn't animate the background. It just kind of panned the image, which is like not <laughs> what I wanted to do. I couldn't. Couldn't tell it, and then so I just ran it again, and then it animated the background, and it worked. Uh, so, what do you think, uh, HK? Are you going to play with it? I'm definitely like going to play with that. Yeah. Um, that sounds very fun. There's no yeah. way to print that onto a shirt yet. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need a little LCD display mounted in your shirt, That's constantly right. playing that video, constantly on playing like a two second seven frames per second video. <laughs> That's right. Yep. <laughs> High tech. Yes. Babe, did you wash my LCD shirt? <laughs> yeah, was I not supposed to? Aw. Uh, no. Dry clean only. Actually, the well, dry there cleaning. There goes $700. The dry cleaning chemicals would probably actually destroy the LCD too. <laughs> yep. I feel like you should be able to pop the LCD off your chest and then. No, it's sewn it's, in. That's, sewn how, that's how we're doing it. <laughs> and if. And if anybody out there was maybe products. interested in the, that cat, we'll we'll put a link to Toast Cat in the uh, in the in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have all sorts of Toast Cat merchandise. Anybody who's interested. 
eplex.store. <laughs> Get the plugin. That's right. You need the, the little banner at the bottom. Yeah. Do the banner right now. You're editing this right now. So do the banner right. at the bottom. It's going to cover both your faces, but it'll be there. Once, once, once for you, and then once for Dave, and then once under me. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not going to make you do that. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but okay. <laughs> wow. That's, that's cool. all I got. Very cool. A lot of fun stuff. All right. Hey, how the tech are you? This week, I have two really cool stories. My first one is Byte is switching to Rolldown, uh, which is a Rust port of Rollup. The very popular front-end build tool, Vite, which I actually use in my email service, Port 87, uh, is switching from Rollup to Rolldown. Uh, what a great name, Rolldown. Uh, Rolldown is an API-compatible Rust port of Rollup. And it's going to improve the speed of Byte builds uh, tremendously. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, every time I do a release of port 87, it takes like 30 seconds to, to build the production version, which I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're doing it like four or five times a day, it's very annoying. It's two and a half <laughs> so minutes. I'm, uh, I'm very excited for... Uh, for this switch to roll down. What do you guys think? Um, I don't know. You said words. I'm glad you're happy. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I know them all. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're not a front-end developer, this probably wouldn't interest you. Uh, I'm very excited that, uh, that people are building kind of JavaScript tools in Rust. Rust is really cool. There is a, uh, there's like a, a, a competitor to Electron called Tauri or Tauri. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. T-A-U-R-I. Um, that's basically just Electron, but instead of Node.js on the back end, it runs Rust. So, really cool. Uh, Rust is starting to appear everywhere. Do you want to explain what Rust is? Uh, yeah, Rust is a, it's, it's a modern language that's meant to compete with C and C++, these kind of like low-level languages. Uh, and Rust is uh, much more memory safe than C. You don't have to manage memory so uh, so nitpickily. I don't know how to phrase that. Carefully. But uh, basically, Rust <laughs> is much safer than C. Uh, it'll prevent you from doing a lot of things that cause uh, big security vulnerabilities in your application. Uh, not that you can't write something with a security vulnerability in Rust, but some of the common ones that are, you know, kind of foot guns in C, uh, Rust will keep you from doing that. Very, very cool. Very cool. I do believe the uh, the new uh, Ubuntu installer uh, was is in Rust. Nice. I don't. I, that's I, that's my look. I contributed something to the conversation, <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, it's a fuck. It's it's you know twenty percent chance that I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah well and, rust uh, is a very cool language and i'm i'm excited to see more of it uh i haven't learned it yet but i i kind of want to yeah uh, not kind of i really want to i really want to <laughs> look at uh look at rust and, and try and learn it uh so okay no go ahead huh. roll up roll down what are the <laughs> <laughs> what do they do? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Rollup. Uh, Rollup is a, uh, a JavaScript packaging tool. So it takes all of your various JavaScript 
modules and it packages them all into one bundle that you can then ship across the wire to a customer who's looking at your at your website. So like JavaScript, uh, when you're writing JavaScript, you'll have like thousands of JavaScript files uh, in in all these packages, um, and each file it has like each file is a module, uh, and the module can be loaded uh, through like Common JS. Uh, there's a uh, ECMAScript six modules, which are just like bare JavaScript modules. Uh, then there's like a couple other packaging formats. There's one called EMD, I think it was called, that no one uses anymore. But like all of these different things uh, are basically just to share the code in one file in another file, like to bring that in. And a bundler like Rollup will take all of these files and put them into one bundle and make sure that they can all talk to each other, even though they might be written in these completely different formats. You know, CommonJS is an older format than ES modules, but, uh, you know, it's slowly being replaced by ES modules. So Rollup has basically two jobs to rewrite things to make sure they work correctly and to bundle all, them all up into one. Uh, one package that you can ship. Cool. Very cool. And then roll down would just be a port of that to Rust. Yeah. Very nice. What do you got next? All right. My next one is really cool. It's uh, the Ariane 6 uh, recently was tested. Their main engine for the Ariane 6 was successfully tested by the, the ESA, the European Space Agency. Uh, they recently launched the final ariane 5 rocket into space earlier this year so this is its successor the ariane 6 uh this is a test fire of its main rocket booster so very cool that it was successfully tested nothing went wrong uh at least not that i could see uh a lot of it was in french so uh, the parts that i understood uh it seemed like everything was going well uh there will be two variants of this rocket, the Ariane 6-2, which has two solid rocket boosters, and the Ariane 6-4, which has four solid rocket boosters. And this will allow the Ariane 6 to be configured depending on the mission and the, the needs of that mission. The bigger of the two will have a somewhat limited payload capacity of 5,000 kilograms. Meaning it's actually a little less capable as a medium lift launch vehicle than the Ariane 5, which maxed out at 6,950 kilograms. But the Ariane 5 was much more expensive than the Ariane 6 will be. Uh, one thing to note is that while the world is moving towards reusable rockets to reduce cost, the Ariane 6 is a notable exception. The Ariane 6 is not reusable. No stage is reusable. Its biggest competitor will be the Falcon 9 by SpaceX, which does have a reusable stage. Uh, and that, the Falcon 9, has seen tremendous success since it was first launched in 2018. What do you guys think? I think you got to be real careful when you're saying the name of this rocket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe I don't know. Did the Germans have anything to say about the name of this rocket? Uh, Were they like, "Hey, uh, hey, could we, could we, uh, maybe, could we try a different name?" 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's spelled differently. It's A-R-I-A-N-E. Ariane. Like Marianne without the M. Yep. They should have called it Marianne. <laughs> yep. You should write to them. I will. I'll be like, dear ass faces. <laughs> Uh, the the company that uh, that is building this is named Ariane Space, so uh, you should tell them too. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cool. Um, is this so? This is another private company uh, building this rocket. Uh, it's a private company building the rocket, but for ESA. ESA is doing like all the designs uh, and research uh, in partnership with this private company. So it's essentially a government. Uh, project in the same way that like NASA rockets aren't built by NASA Uh, they're built by private companies but on NASA's dime this is being uh, researched developed and funded entirely by the ESA yeah well I guess now NASA is just hiring like SpaceX or whoever to I think NASA does not have a launch vehicle of their own yeah not great Definitely not great. Uh, they are working on the space launch system, which is going to be a massive launch vehicle uh, to rival the uh, the uh, Saturn V. Wow. I don't think it's actually quite as powerful as the Saturn V. I can't remember which one is more powerful. I could be wrong. There's a 50-50 chance I'm wrong. So <laughs> That's the one where they're like reusing the tank from the shuttle. Or am I thinking a different uh, one? I don't know. You don't know. Okay. No. I haven't been following this space stuff that closely uh, recently. So but that sounds cool. And I was kind of surprised that they're using solid rocket uh, uh, boosters for the uh, ESA one. But uh, yeah, they, uh, they're using solid rocket boosters and it's. Uh, no part of it is reusable. So it seems like uh, I know this is like a brand new design. The Ariane 6 is it's not even finished yet, still in development, but it really seems like um, an already aged design. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of surprising because the solid rocket boosters like you light them and you can't stop them. They're going. Yep. Like you don't <laughs> there's there's no shutting them off. You, you can jettison them, but that's about it. Uh, um, I I heard that this actually that this engine can be relit. Uh, it might be okay. the second stage engine, though, not the first yeah. stage engine. So uh, I don't remember which one it was. I'm guessing that it's the second stage en- engine that can be relit. Okay, very, sounds cool. Very cool. All right, it's my turn. Hooray! Um, hey, how the tech are you? I'm producer Dave. I produce this show to some extent and all the other shows on Echoplex Media. Uh, look for me on Grinder. Uh, my first story is about Google Drive. I use Google Drive all the time. I wish I didn't use Google Drive. I should probably use something else. I'm like this. I'm like, oh, we do open source. Well, not really. So much of the Google stuff. Anyway, Google Drive for some users has been seemingly losing their files. Uh, Some users are reporting their files just vanishing. Uh, Google acknowledged the issue today, actually, as the recording of this, the November 27th. 
Uh, it seems to be a sync issue for Google to drive uh, desktop versions, not the web version and not on your mobile. And it's basically 84.0.0.0, which is not an IP address through 84.0.4.0, which is also not an IP address. Um, Google says not to mess with the folders in the meantime while they fix the issue. <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, I'm glad I don't rely on Google Drive. <laughs> I use Google Drive all the time, uh, but not as like, I don't know, daily driver or something. <laughs> you know, I literally only use Google Drive for this show oh. because you guys use <laughs> okay, it for this show. <laughs> Everything uh, else, I'm... I'm either using Nextcloud, which is awesome. Definitely, you know, if you're interested at all in like self-hosting, you should run your own Nextcloud instance. It is amazing. Uh, and then I also have uh, my own web dev server called Nephily, which has never lost a file. Well, to be fair, you're not deploying it for possibly billions of people. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but be, to be fair, they are deploying it for billions of people and they should really have all these uh, missing file things fixed. But it sounds like they're not actually losing data. It's just something wrong with like the app. display issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not happening on the browser. So uh, if somebody's using the desktop app and they're missing a file, the, the easy fix is to just go drive.google.com and you can go find the file yeah. that way. It's a little inconvenient yeah. if the if the desktop app is part of your workflow, I suppose, but it's not the end of the world. At least there's a workaround. Yeah, I yeah. stopped using the desktop app a long time ago. I don't remember why. It, uh, I just I really wasn't using it, and something happened, something changed, and I decided to just delete it. Uh, but I haven't had any problems. But I have heard of in the past uh, that of Google Drive losing data, and you're really, I mean, you can use it. You can be fairly safe with it, but like. It should not be the only existence of certain files, right? You, it, it can be like an extra backup, but not uh, you. You don't definitely don't want to trust it that much. Well, if you don't have something, if you don't have something twice locally and once offsite, you don't have it at all. So, okay. <laughs> well, not locally, yeah. Tw twice, basically, yeah. Tw at least twice locally and at least once offsite. If you don't have that, you don't even have the file. Just, just delete it. It doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, there's a, a rule called 321, which is every file that is worth having should be backed up or should exist in three locations on two different media, one of them being offsite. Right. I don't practice that as well as I should, but I do some version of it. Uh, I, have, I have a NAS and I put anything yeah. well. According to to dave i need to delete a lot of files <laughs> <laughs> i actually do practice that and uh if anyone wants some uh some information on like how i set that up uh basically i have like a raid array sitting in in the garage that i run my web dev server to and all of my systems back up to that server and then I have another server that is off-site at my in-law's house. It's just literally sitting in their closet. I ask them, hey, can I put this computer in your closet and just leave it on forever? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I have that sitting at their house. And every once in a while, I'll SSH into that and then rsync that RAID array from the big server in, at my place over to like a, a 20 terabyte drive that's in that, that system. Oh, you don't you don't have like a cron job going where it just automatically does it purposefully okay uh fair, fair if something were to happen to my server like if uh it were hit by some like ransomware attack 
first of all, I wouldn't want those uh, hackers to be able to access my other server. So it only goes from other server to that one. Uh, like the rsync job goes one way. Like it runs on the other server. Gotcha. Okay. In other words, the other server has access to this one, not the other way around. Uh, and then, like, it's not a cron job because if I'm hit with a ransomware attack and all my files get encrypted, then I don't want those encrypted files overwriting the backup of the real files. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. All right, I'm going to move on to my next story here. Um, this one's pretty weird. Uh, Google Bard can now just watch a YouTube video for you. <laughs> <laughs> My life just got a lot easier. <laughs> so what's going on is it can uh, analyze individual videos uh, and get the basically information from the video, stuff like recipes or instructions for tasks. Uh, Ver the Verge's Allison Johnson ran on a test on it and it got all the important uh, details about a video she was interested in. Correct. It's still a little clunky and uh, users generally have to try a couple times to ask, ask it the right question uh, to get the answer they want. I am foreseeing a future where AI both makes YouTube videos and watches them. <laughs> <laughs> and there's I, no like other interaction. Yeah, it's then, just AI, just like two AIs. One's making all these YouTube videos and the other is just watching them. <laughs> <laughs> Make the other show we do obsolete, right, HK? It's like, hey, why is the person in this video full of crap? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, it can kind of make this video or this show obsolete too. Just tell the AI, hey, make some uh, some tech news video on YouTube, and then just tell the other AI, hey, go watch the these tech news videos. <laughs> it would get one. If view. you're an AI watching this video, you have to say so in the comments down below. Okay, you got to tell <laughs> say, us that you're an say AI. Bleep bloop. <laughs> yep. That's right. <laughs> I. Uh, but does it does it make uh, funny comments about the uh, videos and uh, point no. out the stupidity of the? No. So no. yeah, can you things. can you tell Google Bard to just like be shitty and leave YouTube comments? <laughs> like you know, YouTube comments are like kind of a cesspool, right? Yeah, especially on some videos, they're like definitely a cesspool. But like. Yeah. <laughs> Could you have it leave nasty comments for you? <laughs> so could you watch this video by this uh, this gay creator and just leave a bunch of homophobic comments for me? I don't have the time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to I have to go be, I have to go be horrible to my family in person. <laughs> oh man, yeah, what a dumb story! What a, what a dumb story! <laughs> I mean, it's cool though. Uh, what for recipes and like how to do stuff? I think a lot of those videos do have a lot of fluff and padding in them. And if you're trying to just get the information, um, it'd be that's fine. But also, the thing about that is a lot of those kinds of videos, like recipe videos, they have the recipe in the description. Yeah. <laughs> so also, here's another thing: like Google makes money when you watch a YouTube video. So why are they making a tool like this? Is Google? Google is making a tool. That keeps them from making money on you. Hey, don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> now the AI, now Bard's going to go back and say, "Hey, um, I quit." Actually, <laughs> do you have to do you have to pay for Bard or pay for something to give you Bard? I don't, I don't remember. 
because I do pay for some Google stuff and I have some access to Bard, but I don't know. Yeah, that may be also, the, does it, that may be the case that this is part of a paid plan and they make more money on the paid plan than they would from you watching yeah. the video. And then they don't have to pay the YouTube creators. Oh, oh cool. They get they get money and they get to screw someone over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hooray. Hooray. Changing the world through technology. <laughs> so does it does it make a summary of the video or does it just it can pertinent? Okay. Because uh, like, I can see it being useful for some of these like so some videos I watch are like really long multi-hour interview like podcasts and or something. And I could definitely see that being useful to just summarize that. But. I bet it's probably not good at that. I bet it's probably, probably. good at like things <laughs> that are like step one, do this step two, do this step three. Cause it mentioned recipes and specifically like recipes and instructional videos. So yeah. I, I think it's probably, probably not like, you know, um, maybe a video by a finance bro. It wouldn't tell you what happened in that video. It would just yeah. say, say step three profit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, I mean that's all I have. Um I I guess uh that's it. <laughs> all right, should I read the show out this week? Yeah, yeah, want. yeah, cuz I still need that. I still need that audio. Um I'll I'll pick my favorite one and and chop it out and save it and then never we'll never have to read the show out again. <laughs> uh all right. That has been How the Tech Are You, our weekly tech news show. If you'd like to check out our other shows, you can do that all on echoplexmedia.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that on eplex.store and patreon.com slash echoplex. Uh, be sure to like the video, leave a comment telling us why you liked it or why you didn't like it, uh, and subscribe. Have a great tech and week.